I've worried about things my whole life. Will I get a girlfriend? Will my marriage survive? Will I have enough money to retire? And what happens if I lose my job? Do I have cancer and don't know about it yet? Are my kids safe tonight? And what's that strange rash on my neck? Hey, this is Peter, and this is the Midlife Mastery Podcast, a show all about mastering the best time of your life, your midlife, of course. Years ago, a loud insurance executive explained to me the fallacy of worry and problems. He said, There are two types of problems, real ones and imaginary ones. The most destructive are the imaginary ones, because we always imagine the worst. And since the worst almost never happens, we end up going nuts for nothing. If you're going to worry about something, make sure it's real and make sure it's big, because everyone loves a rich nut. I've worked full-time since I was 16, so that's 34 years of worrying about work. And with three marriages and three kids under my belt, I've had plenty to worry about. Or have I? So far, no one has died. I've only lost two jobs, and frankly, they did me a favour because I hated both of them. And my marriage today is going very nicely. Some of my worries will always feel valid, I suppose. Definitely number one on the list is the safety of my kids, my wife, and the rest of my family. A close second is their happiness and their appreciation of this gift called life, because it's fleeting, it's unpredictable, and I really want them to enjoy every little bit of it. Especially my kids. I don't want them to stress about stupid, irrelevant, trivial things. It's sometimes tough, but I believe that it's our main job here, to find joy in every single day, no matter how small or simple. There's still plenty of value in that old saying, plan like you'll live forever, but live like you'll die tomorrow. So I've put together a list of some of the top five worries I think it's time to let go of. And the first one is, when will I die? Neither your wealth, fame, or myriad accomplishments will stall or withhold death's visit. The sooner you embrace the universal finish line, the sooner you can begin to live. As Mark Twain said, people ought to start dead, and they would be honest so much earlier. In around 120 years, medical advances notwithstanding, Every person alive on earth right now will be gone. Every triumph, every war, and every little worry will evaporate and be forgotten. The sales meeting, the job interview, the divorce hearing, the hospital admission, they will all live in the past. Those who experience a brush with death tend to reassess life's priorities. The fallacy of their concerns becomes clear and they soon resolve to reframe them or abandon them altogether. Like someone who's mastered their inbox, they either deal with them, delegate them, or delete them. Done. It's one thing to be afraid of dying. After all, it's natural to fear the unknown. But it shouldn't make us afraid of living. If anything, it should bring a sense of urgency to it. So my feeling these days is live while you're alive. I find myself saying this more and more. The second thing that I think we can stop worrying about is I wish that my partner, boss, or kids would do X. I mean, if your boss wants to fire you, there's not a lot you can do about it. 
If your partner cheats on you, well, the horse is already bolted. And if your 19-year-old daughter shacks up with a man who fails to meet your standard, well, I doubt she'll be able to change her mind. The reality is few people will ever share your perspective on life, and no one will agree with you on everything. Because we're all shaped by our experiences, our genetic composition and our emotional intelligence. Those three factors alone make it impossible to predict or control the behaviour of others. Sure, you can exert influence or control them for a while. I mean, name your favourite dictator or religion. But in the end, we're all free agents. The best we can do is to be our best selves. There will always be injustice. There will always be misunderstandings. Give generously and without expectation of reward. And don't attach your happiness to the actions or decisions of others. Find it within yourself. See it in all the gifts around you, in nature, in the service of others, in the freedoms that you enjoy. Find something that matters to you and give it your time, your energy and your creativity. Because at the end of the day, you answer to the person staring back at you in the mirror. Make that person proud. Not of the accolades or the trinkets acquired, but of the willingness to rescind control and live a simple, contented and generous life. The third on my list is, will I have a heart attack or get cancer? Earl Nightingale's famous 1957 recording uh, was something that I discovered some 30 years ago. And many of the statements in that recording have stuck with me since. One of them was, we become what we think about. The recording, called The Strangest Secret, was, I think at the time, the biggest selling voice recording in history, and it went on to win a gold record. We mightn't get what we want in life, but we tend to manifest what we obsess about, whether it's good or bad. Nightingale explained it like this. The human mind is the last great unexplored continent on Earth. It contains riches beyond our wildest dreams. It will return anything we want to plant. The problem, though, is we tend to plant fear, anxiety and confusion instead of concrete and worthwhile goals. We deliberate over problems that may never occur and we replay experiences and potential experiences in our minds as if it will help somehow. If all we think about is our health, then we lose our ability to be present. And since our subconscious latches on to dominant thoughts, it'll soon deliver whatever it is we're thinking about. Yes, we should take care of our bodies and our minds. We should apply simple habits to eat well, hydrate, move, sleep and laugh. But that's what they should be, habits. Obsessing or worrying about anything really produces an agreeable outcome. By establishing a few healthy habits and then letting go of the outcomes, we enjoy the present, and that, in my opinion, is the best approach to health. The fourth on my list is, what will happen if I lose my job? If you jump off a tall building, you will always go down. You'll never go up. Some laws are immutable. Likewise, if you spend more than you earn, or you try to outdo the Joneses, you will always be broke. Worrying about money is normal, but for many of us, It's actually one of the simplest areas to fix because we spend way too much of it to begin with. Studies have shown that beyond about $70,000 a year US, the happiness that any additional money brings starts to fall off a cliff. If our basic needs are met, then we tend to be happy. If we measure our success and thus our happiness against others, 
it will always elude us. Uruguay's former president said many people were poor because they need too much. They're never satisfied. He donated most of his income in favour of a modest lifestyle, and he said it gave him the time and the freedom to live a happy life. So the two simplest ways to improve your financial health are, number one, change your pleasure threshold. In other words, what you think you need in order to feel pleasure. This recalibrates your pain-reward ratio, the amount of money that you're willing to spend to deliver a reward of some kind. Number two, develop multiple revenue streams. Losing your sole source of income is its certainly humiliating, it's debilitating, and it's very stressful. Having a side hustle, or two, or three, dramatically reduces this. If one thing falls over, you simply direct more energy to the others. Of course, debt is a huge source of stress. Unless it's tied to growth assets, like real estate for example, it will only diminish you further. If you carry any form of consumer debt, like credit cards, car loans, store cards, then your first job is to kill those. On the corresponding blog post that goes with this podcast episode, um, which you'll find at midlifetribe.com slash 45, you'll find a few links there to articles that I've written in the past about overcoming debt, about killing off your debts, and about why we're afraid to discuss money. So go and have a look at those and uh, you might find those helpful. But worrying about money, indeed worrying about anything, won't move the needle. Only doing something will. And for most of us, Addressing our worries around money isn't that complicated. First off, you really need to kill off your consumer debts. Have a read of the posts that I just mentioned. Uh, go to the uh, the blog post that goes with this podcast episode, and they will help you. And consider reading my book, Breathe Again, Debt-Free in Three Simple Steps. Number two, simplify your life. And simplify what you think you need in order to be happy. Number three, fire the Joneses. There's no point comparing yourself to anybody else. We're all at different stages of our journey. We all have different levers that have allowed us to get to a certain point. We all have different thresholds of um, work, risk, um, ethics, all those kinds of things. Comparing yourself to somebody else is pointless. Create multiple streams of income if you can. Consider things like freelancing or starting a simple online business, for example. And once your consumer debts are gone, set aside at least 15 to 20% of what you earn into solid investment classes. In my opinion, you only need to read three books on this. It's very easy to be drawn into this notion that investment is complicated. It isn't complicated. And I think that if you read these three books, you will be more versed on this topic than 99% of people. The first one is The Barefoot Investor by Scott Pape. Uh, the next one is Michael Yardney's Guide to Getting Rich by, of course, Michael Yardney, who is also my real estate advisor. And the third is Unshakable by Tony Robbins, an absolutely brilliant book. Very simple concept, very well prosecuted, very easy to read. If you read those, I think you will well and truly know everything you need to know to invest successfully and safely and without stress, and you'll be able to sleep at night. So the last item on my, on my list is, will I ever get rid of my problems? Thing is, we're obsessed with perfection. We yearn for a smooth life, especially once we get to this age. Once we get to our 40s, 50s and 60s, we think, you know, enough is enough. I've worked my ass off all this time. You know, I want a simpler life. I want a smoother life. I, why can't I seem to get rid of all these bloody problems? And we devote decades to knocking down walls and slaying our dragons. And yet, with each evolution, with each rung up the ladder, we slowly realize that our problems aren't eliminated. They're only replaced with new ones. So let me give you a simple version here. 
You cannot avoid problems. No one can. No matter how rich, successful, respected, or healthy you become, you will always have problems. Suicide rates continue to climb despite the abundance all around us. Depression is a complex animal, and I know this from experience. But problems aren't the problem. Rather, it's our relationship to problems that trips us up. And so the job isn't one of problem avoidance, but of problem selection. Over time, you learn to choose your problems, and you even create a few of them as well. You look for bigger ones and better ones, and you give those smaller ones to someone else to solve. Let me give you a simple example. Our house sits on about 3,000 square metres of land. There's lots of grass to mow. Now, the house came with a ride-on mower, but it broke down twice in the first six months, and it cost me about $1,000 to repair it in total. It also took me about three hours each time to mow the lawn and trim the edges and all the other stuff that goes along with it. So, my solution? Sell the mower, pay a man to cut the grass, and win back 60 hours of my life each year. I decided I didn't like this problem, so I gave it to someone else. And now it's Michael's problem. (laughs) I'll give you another example, and this is a much bigger one. I invested five years of very late nights and long weekends and a lot of hardship and stress into building a property portfolio. Bottom line is, it ended badly, and I lost everything. But I learned a few valuable lessons, and I rebuilt, I rebuilt my life. I now consider it to be a sunk cost, and a small chapter in a very large book. Instead of crying into my scotch, I've taken what I learned from the experience and chosen more interesting problems to solve. My wife and I have some property, but it's no longer the focus of my attention. It's a more passive thing now. The problems I now seek to solve are far less selfish, and as a result, infinitely more satisfying. You're reading or listening to part of it right now, and I'm grateful that you're doing that. Worrying never solves a damn thing in the end. Only action does, either in the direction of the problem, directly attacking that problem, or towards something else that you can control. Watch how quickly a person's life changes when they realise their time is almost up or when they lose their cherished partner. I've seen many people's lives change when their parents become gravely ill. Instantly, they realise they have little to worry about themselves. Their mum or their dad would gladly trade their child's worries for another year on this planet. This is your one and only shot at this experience. You'll never return to this blue ball. However, you can draw a line in the sand and start a new chapter, free from senseless worry. It is, and has always been, entirely up to you. So as I mentioned in the last post uh, last week, from now on, I'm going to summarize some of the key points that I think are valuable takeaways from whatever it is that we're talking about this week. So this week's midlife lessons are quite simple. First up, you might be afraid of dying, that unavoidable and universal finish line, but don't make don't let it make you afraid of living. Number two, don't try to control people. You can't. Instead, give generously and without expectation of reward and see what happens. Number three, you mightn't always get what you want, but you'll usually get what you obsess about. Apply a few simple healthy habits, then get back to living in the present. It will actually prolong your life. Number four, instead of worrying about money, Develop a couple of extra income streams through freelancing or a simple business. And if you have any consumer debt, make killing it your number one priority. And finally, accept that you'll never eliminate all your problems. You'll simply trade them for different ones. Instead of trying to avoid problems, select your problems and delegate the rest.
Anyway, that's it for me again this week. Thanks again for listening. And uh, if you want to follow the links that I mentioned in this episode, just go to midlifetribe.com slash 45. There are a number of articles there, which I think you might find very helpful on this topic. So thanks again for tuning in. I love having you here. I appreciate you being here. And here's to mastering your midlife. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.